You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners, so please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my I'm walking with the dead. Today's case is from 2003 up in North Dakota, kind of at the border with Minnesota. And I realized once I started researching that this case has actually been in the news quite a bit lately. And when we get to the end of the episode, you'll kind of find out why it's been in the news, and what is going on with it. So without further ado, this is the case of Drew Shadeen. As I mentioned, we're in North Dakota, Grand Forks to be exact, in 2003. We're about 80 miles from Fargo. And Grand Forks is a city that sits along the Red River at the North Dakota-Minnesota border. It's the third largest city in the state of North Dakota following Fargo and Bismarck, and it's actually the county seat of Grand Forks County. According to the 2010 census, the city's population was 52,838. Grand Forks, North Dakota, is where 22-year-old Drew Shadeen was calling home while she attended the University of North Dakota. She was born September 26, 1981. She grew up about three and a half hours away from Grand Forks in Pequot, Minnesota. Drew graduated from Pequot Lakes High School in Minnesota in spring of 2000. She was actually voted homecoming queen her senior year as well. She was known to be very artistic and she loved playing basketball, volleyball, and golf. Drew also enjoyed being part of Gamma Phi Beta sorority at University of North Dakota. And through the sorority, she worked with underprivileged teens all while holding two jobs and carrying a full academic schedule. Drew is obviously someone who's super accomplished and well-rounded and sounds like she was a great girl. She was a go-getter. One of the other things that Drew was looking forward to and working hard for was a much-anticipated trip to Australia in 2004. Like I mentioned, Drew was attending University of North Dakota in 2003 when this case takes place. One of the two jobs that she held was at the Columbia Mall in Grand Forks at the Victoria's Secret store there. On Saturday, November 22nd, 2003, Drew had a shift at the Victoria's Secrets that she worked at. 
She was supposed to work from about noon to 4 p.m. Once she got off at 4 p.m., she decided to do a little holiday shopping around the mall. Specifically, she was on the hunt for a purse for her mom. Around 5 p.m., her boyfriend, Chris, called her. She explained that she had just finished up her shopping or was finishing up her shopping and had found the purse that she wanted for her mom. She was heading out of the mall before her shift at her second job later that night. At 22 years old, she's working two jobs and in between both jobs, she goes and shops for her mom. I think that says a lot about where her priorities were at this age and this stage in her life. And and it sounds as if she's pretty mature and has her head on her shoulders straight. It says a lot about her and it says a lot about the relationship that she had with her mom, just wanting to get her that special purse. Um, She did end up buying it from a department store called Marshall Fields. So, you know, most likely it was kind of a more pricier-ish purse. It's a really sweet gesture. um, And she was really excited to have found that purse. So excited that she's like telling her boyfriend about it, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just puts it in a little perspective of what she was up to and who she was at the time. Drew's boyfriend, Chris, recalls this phone call that he had with Drew, right? He had called her around 5 p.m. as she was finishing up. He recalls that it was a pretty normal conversation. There wasn't really anything out of the ordinary until the very end. As she's leaving the mall, she's speaking on her cell phone with Chris, that normal conversation I just mentioned. And Chris hears, oh my God, okay, okay. And then the call ends abruptly. Chris tries to call her back, but he got no answer. This left him with a sinking feeling that something bad had happened. Something was terribly wrong. Unfortunately, Chris was not wrong about that. This was the last time that he or any of her loved ones would ever hear from her alive again. Chris sat with that uneasy feeling he had for a bit. Then his phone rang at 7.42 p.m. It was Drew calling. The relief from finally receiving a callback from Drew didn't last long, though, because as soon as Chris answered it, all that was on the other end was wind. No voice, no Drew. Then a couple of button dial tones were heard and the call ends. This, of course, was the last time Chris's phone would ever receive a phone call from Drew's phone. After that, that's when Chris sprung into action. He called her roommate and best friend, Meg. Meg had already been worried that she hadn't heard from Drew much at all that day. And she actually had called some of the hospitals. Drew was not at any of the hospitals and she hadn't been in an accident or anything that might explain her drop in communication to Meg and Chris. Then something else happens that gets Meg really worried. Around 9.15, the answering machine in their apartment goes off and on the other end of the message was Drew's manager. They were calling to ask where she was. She was scheduled for that shift at her second job that I mentioned. She was supposed to be there at 9 p.m. and she had not shown up. Meg and Chris both knew there was no way she'd miss a shift. Nonetheless, AWOL status. Meg says at this point that she was thinking the absolute worst about what happened to Drew and called the police. They responded very quickly. 
there apparently had been a, quote, series of nasty abductions, end quote, not far from Grand Forks. And these types of cases were on their radar in a big way at that time. And this is all according to Special Agent Daniel Alquist. So detectives arrive at Drew and Meg's apartment by 9.35 p.m. This is just about 20 minutes or less since Meg had called. They asked Meg about Drew's car. It was a red Oldsmobile Supreme with a gray primer spot on the front, as Meg described in an interview for Paula Zahn. Chris described his call with Drew to police and expressed that, again, he felt it was a totally normal phone call until the end when he heard her say, oh my God, okay, okay. Police start their search and they start it at the mall. Chris takes on the tough responsibility of calling Drew's mom to tell her what's going on. Linda Walker, Drew's mom, recalls that Chris was clearly trying not to alarm her and just gave her the facts that Drew had not shown up for her second job, but Linda had her radar on and knew that her daughter would never miss work, just like Megan Chris knew. Right away, she calls Drew's father, from whom she was divorced. Both of Drew's parents were hours away from Grand Forks. Together, they decided that Linda would stay at the home base in Pequot and Alan would head to Grand Forks. Alan describes that when he left, he didn't take anything with him. He just got up and got in the car. He didn't even take a toothbrush. At this point, you can imagine everybody's starting to panic that something bad has happened to Drew. There's no questioning it to her loved ones. And at this point, it's been at least six hours since Drew's call with Chris dropped in that very unexpected and questionable manner. Right. We're at 11.05 p.m. now, and Drew's car was found in the empty mall parking lot. It was unlocked. And now a word from today's sponsor. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good, they don't fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. Fortunately, there's Monk Pack who sponsored this episode. They make snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have a perfect balance of sweet and salty, a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but still manage to be soft and chewy. They come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, and peanut butter dark chocolate. 
My husband actually ate all the peanut butter dark chocolate ones before I even got to try them. My favorite that I got to try was the sea salt dark chocolate. Delicious. They're perfect for a quick snack to satisfy your sweet tooth without guilt. Enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars as a quick breakfast while running errands or after a workout. They're gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar alcohols, or artificial colors. I'm obsessed and will be making sure that I'm always fully stocked. Try it for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DIARIES at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K dot com and select any product, then enter the code diaries at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Inside the car, they found a Marshall Fields shopping bag. That's a department store. And in that Marshall Fields bag was the purse that Drew bought for her mom. Outside of the car, they found something else of interest too. They found a nylon knife sheath just a few feet from the car. The sheath was in pretty good condition as if it had just recently been dropped. So it wasn't weathered or anything like that. So it seemed that it had just been dropped. After looking at this scene, police immediately gathered that Drew was most likely abducted at knife point in the parking lot. What police didn't know is how at 5 p.m. in a mall parking lot, she was abducted without anyone seeing anything or at least reporting it. Drew's mom recalls she didn't sleep a wink that night and rightfully so. Chris, his mind is going to places he never wanted it to go, fearing the worst. And Meg recalls feeling like she was in a movie. This is just unreal to them. They cannot believe that this happened. Drew was a young girl with so much life ahead of her. She was just months away from graduating University of North Dakota. Her mom reflects on Drew's mental state at this time of her life and says it was the happiest period of her daughter's life. She said she knew who she was and was coming into her own. Her father, Alan, said she was a marvelous young lady that was a treat to be around every day of every year. Again, this abduction wasn't anything anyone expected. Her father had actually been happy that Drew was in Grand Forks because he believed it was a safe place for her to attend college. Unfortunately, despite this safe reputation of Grand Forks, that's where Alan was headed to find out what happened to his daughter. He went straight to the Columbia Mall. When he saw Drew's car, he immediately knew something was wrong. And he stayed in that parking lot all night long. He watched over his beloved daughter's car and he was hoping that someone would show up and give some answers. Truly, he was hoping that Drew would be the one that showed up, but she never did. This is when he remembered something troubling. Drew had told her dad that somebody she had met at one of her jobs was stalking her. He offered her help, but Drew declined, assuring him that, quote, she can handle it. Alan, of course, was now wondering if this guy might have had something to do with Drew's disappearance. 
police arrived early in the morning hours to tow Drew's car, and Alan then fills them in about her stalker. They took his concern seriously, and within mere hours, they found the guy, and they deciphered that he had nothing to do with her disappearance. With no further leads, they head back to the last place Drew had been seen, the mall. This case really is reminiscent of Kelsey Smith's case that we covered back in July 2021, where Kelsey left Target and was abducted from her car from the parking lot of the Target. Drew and Kelsey's cases really emphasize that we're never truly safe in a public space. And it's frustrating and it's scary. And it breaks my heart that these families have to go through this because there's evil out there. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting that we have to continue to watch our backs and make sure that we don't have a stalker like Drew had, or we don't have somebody that's trying to abduct us from a flippin' mall parking lot. And it just, it makes me so angry. And and here's all that Drew was trying to do that day, right? She was, and this is what police gathered as well. She worked her shift at Victoria's Secret from noon to 4 p.m. and then went shopping. With that information at hand now, police grabbed as much surveillance as they could from the mall. I mean, these investigators poured over hours of videotape from around the mall. Within the videotapes, they spot Drew entering the Marshall Field store and purchasing the purse for her mom. And that happened around 5 p.m., which is also the same time that Chris was calling. And you can actually see Drew in the store with the phone to her ear speaking to Chris on her way out. Not only does this match what Chris had told to police, but it also matches the timestamp that they had from the receipt for the purse as well. So we're pretty certain we know Drew's last movements before heading out to the parking lot. Now investigators need to hone in on that though. What happened after she left that Marshall Field store? Unfortunately, there weren't any cameras in the parking lot or anywhere outside the store at all. With that limitation, in order to track Drew's movements after leaving the store, investigators decided to pull cell phone tower records in efforts to track those movements. The information they got showed that Drew's cell phone was pinging a cell tower that was in Minnesota. Now, remember, they didn't live too far from the state border. But what this meant for the investigation was that it now went across state lines. We all know in the true crime community how messy it can get. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. When you have jurisdictions across state lines, there's different laws, there's different protocol, there's just so many different things on top of communication needing to be as tight as ever between the two jurisdictions. The fact that across state lines meant that the FBI joined in on the case. This was huge. People were on foot and in classic 
Northern American style ATVs searching for Drew. Uh, Volunteers and law enforcement were looking in ditches and other areas that they might maybe find a clue or her. In less than 48 hours, Drew's disappearance had become national news. As it was national news, a PI from where Drew grew up named Bob Heels caught the news about Drew and recognized her. And he felt motivated to join the search and and help the best he could. Searchers plastered the area with flyers urging anyone with any info to please call police. Um, And with that, a tip line was also set up. However, the next lead didn't come from that tip line. It actually came from the search party. Around 11.53 a.m. on Tuesday, November 25th, just three days after Drew had gone missing, the search party found a black female shoe off the side of the road underneath the 75 bypass bridge. Drew's roommate Meg is called and positively identifies that the shoe was Drew's. Now they knew that time was of the essence if they were going to find Drew. With the shoe in mind, they tightened the search area to just a few square miles near where the shoe had been found. The search party was looking in ravines, tree lines, abandoned farmhouses, all within these few square miles. And the PI that joined from Drew's hometown recalled looking anywhere near the road that someone would have been able to drive near. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. My personal style, whether it's my wardrobe or accessorizing with jewelry is always timeless and classy. With Ana Luisa, you get just that. Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, offers unique, creative, and fun jewelry and a 20% off discount for Murder Diaries listeners. We love all of their pieces. I'm particularly obsessed with the ID Slim necklace because you can get it engraved with your initials or your name or even your husband or loved one's name. It's the perfect gift for yourself or for one of your best friends. The fact that Ana Luisa is carbon and water neutral is absolutely inspiring. They're truly an example of what all companies should strive for. We're honored to promote a company that is such high quality and cares about the earth. Pieces from Ana Luisa start at just $39, but don't let the low price fool you. Ana Luisa jewelry is great quality and they release new collections every Friday. Ana Luisa has given Murder Diaries listeners an opportunity to get an additional 20% off when you visit shop.analuisa.com slash diaries. Yes, we have that linked in the show notes. Head over to their website and check out all their cute styles. To get 20% off your Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A space L-U-I-S-A order. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash diaries. Once again, the quality is amazing and prices start at just $39. Run, don't walk. Around 2.53 p.m. that same day, Drew's mom headed to Grand Forks in effort to energize the awareness there and feel closer to Drew. In the documentary I watched and used as source material, um, an episode of On the Case with Paula Zahn, Drew's mom remembers tearfully that she wanted to go to Drew's apartment to be close 
to her and to even just smell the scent of her daughter. And she had this private moment where she hugged some of Drew's clothes closely while giving them a little sniff just to feel her daughter's presence. And this is just such a heartbreaking moment. And I feel like only a parent could understand that. And after feeling and going through all of that emotion um, and having that private moment, her mom headed over to um, visit the volunteers that were looking for Drew and just making sure that they were energized and ready to, to help find Drew. Now that takes us to the next day, Wednesday, November 26th. Law enforcement is more and more sold at this point that this is a true stranger abduction. With that in mind, they decide to check in with local sex offenders. This list of local sex offenders was about 100 people long. But one stood out in particular to investigators, and that was Alfonso Rodriguez Jr. He had a history of rape and abduction. And on top of that, he had just completed a 23-year-long prison sentence just about seven months before Drew was abducted. This guy was so intense that he was classified as a level three sex offender. That means that he was considered the most dangerous type of sex offender. According to nationsearch.com, level three is defined as this. The risk of repeat offense is high. The degree of danger posed to the public is such that a substantial public safety interest is served by active dissemination. At the time of Drew's disappearance, Alfonso was living with his mother in Crookston, Minnesota. He was actually living only a few miles from where Drew's shoe had been found. Once police gather this information, they want to find him, and they discover that he was working on a construction site for a local contractor, and they found him there. They bring him in for questioning, and they ask him what he had been doing that Saturday, the night that Drew went missing. He actually admits to investigators that, yeah, I was in Grand Forks, and I went to the Columbia Mall to catch a movie. With that admission, Alfonso was putting himself at the scene of the crime. Investigators question further, like, what movie did you watch? What time? He tells them that he saw Once Upon a Time in Mexico at 4.30 p.m. Special Agent Alquist stepped away from his partner and Alfonso, and he calls the command post. He says, hey, go down to the theater at Columbia Mall and check the movie and the times that they're playing. See if you can find out when Once Upon a Time was playing that day. While they wait on those answers, they search Alfonso's car. It was in the trunk that they found a pair of rubber gloves and a knife. He claimed that the knife was for work, but this knife wasn't a typical knife for a construction site, and law enforcement immediately had their doubts about that. What's more is that the knife didn't appear to be the type of knife that they were looking for that might... What's more is that the knife didn't appear to be the type of knife that they were looking for. Based on the sheath and the information they gathered about it, they were looking for a different type of knife. And to clarify for our listeners, that sheath you're referring to is the one found by Drew's car on the floor at the mall parking lot. That's right. It was on the ground just a few feet away from Drew's car. Then news came in from the command post that Once Upon a Time in Mexico wasn't even playing at the theater Alfonso said that he went to. That movie was released in 2003, but it was not playing at the theater he said he went to. Around this time as well, another team of detectives is following up on the sheath that they found by Drew's car. They discovered something super important. 
that sheath was only sold as a knife-sheath combo. As I mentioned, investigators were originally being led in a different direction when it came to the knife. They were led in a direction of a different style of knife that would have gone with that sheath. But investigators decided to go ahead and buy that knife-sheath combo, and the knife that came with it was an exact match to the one that they found in Alfonso's trunk. As soon as they got this information, they actually turned right around and head back to Alfonso. They were able to track him back down pretty easily, and they brought him into a police station in Crookston. When questioned about Once Upon a Time in Mexico not playing at that movie theater, he feigned lapse of memory and claims that he doesn't remember when he saw that movie. He said, quote, I know I seen that movie, but I don't know what week, end quote. It's Wednesday at this point, and we're only talking about last Saturday night. So investigators know there's no way that he was at the movies at all that day. And why didn't he remember what movie he saw just the other day? It was clear, though, unfortunately, that they weren't going to get very far with him at this point. Detectives asked to search Alfonso's car again in hopes to get to the knife again. Luckily, the knife was exactly where it had been earlier that day. Special Agent Alquist seized it. Alfonso asked for a lawyer and he was held overnight. The next day, Thursday the 27th, they searched Alfonso's mother's home. They also impounded his car for testing. While they awaited the results from those tests, the DA ordered that Alfonso be set free. The defense attorney's office held that there wasn't enough evidence for probable cause to arrest him. After he was released, special agents watched him around the clock. They employed a 24-hour surveillance. It's around this time that a forensic expert working on the car, doing those tests that they're awaiting results on, noticed something extremely telling. He took note that around the car, there were specks of blood splatter that had not been noticed by police at first glance. He noticed this blood splatter on items such as the seatbelt and the back of the passenger seat and the passenger door. Because they found blood in the car, they seized a sample of Alfonso's blood so that they could compare, of course. Investigators headed back to the mall to try and track Alfonso's movements at this time. We know Drew's. Now we're tracking Alfonso's. And they found him on the tape at a Target store right by where Drew worked. He appeared to have actually been stalking another girl at that Target. They're unsure why, but the pursuit ended. And thank God, because that girl left with her life that night. And unfortunately, we know now that Drew probably wasn't so lucky in that they found blood in Alfonso's car. On December 1st, the results came back from the blood in the car and it was a match for Drew. At 4.30 p.m. that same day, they raced back to Minnesota and arrest Alfonso in connection to Drew's disappearance. Alfonso stayed silent as they handcuffed him. They didn't have Drew's body, so they couldn't charge him for murder yet, but they knew that would just be a matter of time. Fall turned to winter and winter to spring. Drew's body had still not been found. And now a word from today's sponsor. All right, we have to talk to you guys about Warby Parker. Self-proclaimed, Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. 
Offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams, Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. If you have FSA or HSA insurance dollars, don't let them go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. Again, they offer eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Make sure to try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You get to pick five styles of glasses that you want to try at home for free for five days. There is no obligation to buy either. It ships free and includes a prepaid shipping return label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash murder diaries. When you first get started, you take a quiz and then you order your home try-on kit. This whole experience was a breeze and so fun. Natalie and I were FaceTiming, showing each other the styles we picked. It was a blast. And currently, while we're recording, I'm wearing my Landon frames with prescription plus blue light lenses. Like true BFFs, I also tried on the Landon frames in addition to four other great styles, including the Hughes and the Francis frames. They all looked so good. And I'm telling you, I get so many compliments on my new frames. You might just catch them in the most recent TikTok video. And I have to say, she looks pretty cute in them. As I mentioned, mine are prescription plus blue light. And I'm telling you, this is the first time I've gotten blue light lenses. And it is a game changer. Not only does Warby Parker sell fantastic quality lenses and frames, for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. This means that 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, which is crazy because glasses were invented 700 years ago. Warby Parker partners with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. To shop online or to find your local Warby Parker store, head over now to warbyparker.com slash murder diaries. We thank Warby Parker for sponsoring this podcast. On April 17th, 2004, a large search was conducted in that area in Minnesota. A volunteer searching, who happened to be a retired sheriff, was searching along a ravine. It's just west of Crookston, and it's there that he discovered Drew's body. Drew's cell phone was also found, as well as the matching second black female shoe. Another piece of evidence was found at the scene as well. It was a piece of Alfonso's hair, and it was found on Drew's peacoat. Drew's father, Alan, mother, Linda, and boyfriend, Chris, were all together when they got the call to go down to the command post. They knew what that meant. They knew it meant that they had found Drew's body. Murder was, of course, added to the charges that Alfonso was facing. The trial began in federal court because it had crossed state lines in August 2006. The prosecution held that he took Drew to a remote area that he knew, presumably the area that they found her, and he sexually assaulted her and took the knife and slit her throat and left her there. 
On August 30th, 2006, Alfonso was convicted in federal court of the murder of Drew Shoden. On September 22nd, 2006, a jury recommended that Alfonso receive the death penalty. It was the first death penalty in North Dakota in over a century. Now, you would think that that's where the story ends, but it's not. This is the part where it's making recent news. The judge that originally sentenced Alfonso to death in 2006, his name is Ralph R. Erickson, is now a judge for the U.S. State Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. On September 3rd of this year, 2021, he overturned Alfonso's sentence, his death sentence. He ordered that a new sentencing phase be conducted due to, quote, misleading testimony from a medical examiner and limitations on mental health evidence, end quote. It's being held that the medical examiner's testimony to the court was, quote, unreliable, misleading, and inaccurate, end quote. This is all based on a belief that Alfonso's attorneys did him a disservice in terms of the trial by opting to, quote, limit the mental health evaluation of Rodriguez, which could have resulted in the possible use of the insanity defense. So essentially what they're saying is that important information from Alfonso's mental health evaluation was left out. And had it not been, Alfonso may have been able to plead insanity. As of September, that overturn, the sentence is a bit on pause, for lack of a better word. And it's possible that Alfonso may never face the death penalty again. According to U.S. News, who were quoting U.S. Attorney Drew Wrigley, prosecutors will need permission from the Biden administration to appeal that sentencing overturn. A successful appeal would reinstate Alfonso's death penalty. A loss of, of the appeal would require that the Department of Justice decide if it wants to go through with another sentencing phase of the trial again or to secure the death penalty. In the case that this overturn is sustained, Alfonso would still serve life in prison without parole. And thank God for that, because this man clearly needs to be in prison away from the public for the, everyone's safety. Yeah, not just even Drew's case. The, his entire history is proving that this is where he belongs. According to another article that I also have linked in the show notes, um, and it's from Halloween of this year, 2021, defense attorneys filed a motion in October and they questioned Judge Erickson's contention that Alfonso's intellectual disability could not be used as another factor to avoid capital punishment. Uh, the motion asks the judge to reconsider his decision. And this is where the story is left for now to be continued, and may Drew and her family get true justice. In Drew's memory today stands Drew's Law, uh, which is a law that called for a national internet database of sex offenders. Uh, there's also a memorial garden in her hometown of Pequot, Minnesota. And there is a scholarship in Drew's name that was set up at the University of North Dakota. And this is where we'll leave it for this week. Until our next episode, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com, at the Murder Diaries Pod on Instagram and TikTok, and the Murder Diaries Podcast.com.
And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Your five stars mean everything. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.